had his nose pressed to the big window, looking out from the dark nook of the old bar, staring into the night with its parked cars and immovable street lamps, lost plastic bags, and the rain which came down in sudden gusts. He wondered about things like destiny, self-determination, and the omnipotent, omniscient, all-good vacationing one. He looked down to his glass, moved his fingers one at a time away from the stickiness, and thought about going home. He could be there in ten minutes, in his bed beneath the covers, alone with his thoughts of her until his enemy insomnia flinched, and he was mercifully allowed to sleep. The booth, elongated with another square table and chairs, was filled. Nico, Mary Green, Vince, the crossbearer whose name was Henry, Hector and Manny, just recently arrived, and others, some curious, some seeking refuge from the nightly rioters and looters, and others convinced he had the power to single-handedly unseat tripe, install logic and order, and return things to before this neo-dark age fell upon the land. He saw it in their eyes. It humored him. It enraged him. The audacity they had, the expectations, from someone who could, obviously, barely keep himself together for more than an hour or two. The old bar was empty, but for them. The storm had knocked out the power. They would have been shooed outside but for the waitresses, who stood like beautiful sirens waiting to hear more of the strange man they'd come to know only by his consistency of unkempt appearance and the deranged stories he eventually, if plied with enough beer, would tell. A single candle was all that illuminated the corner. Henry, because he had seen most things others only read or hear about, because he had lived a life most spend their lives trying to avoid, and because he, more than the others, needed to know who sat before them, instigated the dialogue as they sat wrapped, eyes glued on rigged, who was getting drunker by the minute. The old man picked up where they'd left off from the night before. Is it true what you were saying last night? About your travels? What did I say? I don't remember a thing about last night. You said you were a famous world traveler. Except right at the moment you hadn't let go of your anonymity. I said that. Do you remember telling us, after somebody asked what airline you preferred, that you didn't travel by air or boat? Or car. I didn't say I walked all the way around the world. You said you... Man, you said you traveled through time. That's funny. <laughs> Why is that funny? It's just funny. Don't you think it's funny? Depends. Is it true? I told you, I don't remember much about last night. Is it true about you traveling through time? Maybe. You sounded pretty convincing last night. What do you mean, maybe? Maybe I do, if you need to know. Maybe I don't, if you're just another Einstein looking for a laugh. Do I look like Einstein? Einstein's everywhere. You can't tell so easily. Come on, man. Come on. All right. I'll tell you. So, it's true. Yeah, it's true. Jesus, Mary and Joseph. <laughs> you don't believe me, do you? Sure. Why wouldn't I? 
then you're crazy, just like me. I'm a pathological liar, you know. No, you're not. You're tired of explaining yourself. You're tired of them laughing. I know about that, man. And you're tired of seeing what everybody else refuses to see. That's what's made you this way. What are you? Some kind of psychologist? How do you do it? What, the lying? The traveling. I don't know. I don't do it anymore. What happened? I don't know. You don't know? Things sort of fell apart. But six months ago... Six months ago, that was someone else. Tell us. Come on, man. Go away. All of you, go away, would you? Tell us. You have to tell us. I don't have to tell you a thing. Tell us. Look, man, you don't need me. Like hell. You gotta give it up, man. Come on. I've been waiting my whole life. I deserve to know. I need to know. All right, take it easy, brother. You have been waiting longer than you ever should have. All I had to do was close my eyes. And then you saw? And then I moved. I was limited only by my imagination hunger for truth. Were you like an observer? An observer? Oh no, you don't understand. You don't understand at all. How long would you stay? An hour, a day, a week, sometimes a year. Your time and ours are in no way connected. I lived at different times in most places, in squalor as often as not. In relative comfort and happiness, as often as not. I landed with luck on my side, as often as not, and made the best of my situation. What do you remember? Tell us. Tell us. I remember work. Plows, which until very recently were pulled by horses and steered by hand. The sound of the blades scraping against rock. Slicing the moist wedge, exposing the earth. The feel of that wooden handle in my hand, my hands becoming paws. The fingers permanently numbed at the tips. The contrast of my paws against soft linen or white virgin skin. The feel of work in my back and legs and arms, so that you fall asleep at the dinner table with your paw curled around a cold saucer of milk. The ecstasy and rest are even better real pleasure. There was thirst, the parched throat, the relief of blessed water. I remember toiling until I could barely stand, in a factory, in a mine, beside a mule, behind the plow. The toiling formed me, it formed my body, it formed my mind. Toiling because there was no other way. Toiling for my own dreams, or more often, by necessity for the dreams or perversions of someone else. Toiling, always toiling. There were points of heightened joy, a visit from a friend or neighbor, the smell of food, 
rain in springtime, a fire in winter, a blanket against that same winter, festivals of all kinds, drunken, dancing, senseless geysers which energize the soul and relax the grip of monotonous conformity, prancing, flirting, otherworldly celebrations, seasoned to the meat and potatoes of life. I swooned at the sight of uncountable returning birds high in the air, going from horizon to opposite horizon. Leaves in their slow explosions, snow in its swift demise, scents of honeysuckle, rose, and lilac, horse, hog, and whore, grazing, grunting, and sweating. I marveled at stars, which frightened me to fantastic beliefs. I was once a sailor, and the seas were continents of danger, promise, lust, greed, despair. I was a father, and lived my rebirth at the birth of my children. I was often a thief, and dumped the burden of my ways when fortune came knocking. The natural world tantalized my intellect. Human civilization challenged my patience, beliefs, and sanity. These things pulled me to mountain peaks, regardless of my wealth, gender, race, creed, or ability. I remember physical beauty, physical contact, physical love. The first sight of female nakedness, the first smell of it, the first drop of it the first grazing, the first lapping, the first weight of its undulations, the first plunging into, the first new world, the first awakening. Sighs, shudders, blasphemies unfurled beneath me like brilliant banners from sweet mouths, though I learned that the sound originated deeper in an indefinable place, an organ with no name, lilting, drilling, drifting to the newfound female forest filled with heroes, villains, violinists pulling me in. There I experienced sublime moments in earthly time. There I lay with sculpture no artist could have made. There I reversed the wheel, unleashed the dam, scribbled my page, the only page noteworthy in the book of animal joy. I held love in my meaty paws. It took me on its ride, it bent me to its patterns. I fell drugged by its poisonous prick more times than I can remember. My insides scrambled, my mind altered. It made me jealous, it rendered me silly, it gave me courage, it gave me strength. It consumed my days with dreams and hope. It split my nights into hunks of restlessness. There was nothing unconquerable in its sights, nothing its fire could not sear, nothing wealth could exchange measure for measure for, nothing torture could wash from its cloak. I once hid beneath deck and sailed to far shores for this love. I fell from exhaustion toiling for its whims. I forfeited self-respect for its callous discontent. I spent a full ten years in simple bliss, favored by the gods, sucking its nectar. I dwelt unknown across the wall, seven years in Spartan exile. I died at its cruel feet and withered into lonely solitude. I knew honest souls and puppeteers, happy warblers and scavenging crows, sowers and reapers. I knew these women separately, I knew them all roll into one. I found love in despair, in transit, in aisles and beneath weighty objects. Love does not float with the river, but spews its lava forth to change its course. It is a sculptor of our kind, around which all things flow. Then there was oppression, pestilence of human happiness. Man against child, man against woman, man against fellow man. It emanated from kings abusive with their lineage, 
Legislators abusive with their ambition. Managers abusive with their control. It erupted from husbands bound by artificial duties who lashed out at those weaker. It was perpetrated one clan against another. It froze understanding into castes of varying shades. Oh God, the horrors we do to one another in the name of goodness and righteousness. Everywhere it breaks men's backs, women's hopes, children's futures. Everywhere it comes, it lays waste to humanity. I remember walls, everywhere walls. Walls on seashores, walls in villages, walls in bedrooms, walls within walls. I saw these walls go up, propped by fears, maintained by more fears. I saw the simplicity of their application, the complexity of their effects. Walls arise one-sided defenses, in truth are two-sided barriers. That which safeguards denies, that which allows disallows. The thickness which gives strength conscripts that strength. I have known these walls intimately, regularly. They are temples to loneliness, suffering, hatred, prejudice, defeat. He collapsed onto the table. Henry, without question, believed what he had heard. The others sat silently, numbed by his words, each trying to decipher the veracity in them, and thus the sanity of the man. They were about to get up and disband when there came a soft cooing. The sound could not be placed, so faint and soothing was its pitch. But then, after a slow and thorough scouring of the dimly lit booth, it became apparent that it came from beneath jerry-rigged's overcoat. Nico, leaning over the table, hand reaching out with steady curiosity, eased back one side and then, in a blur of iridescent feathers, two birds flapped haphazardly into the bar, soared overhead for a while, and then landed on the high shelf near the ceiling. Vince mumbled that he loved the sweet, soothing sound of morning doves, for they reminded him of his mother, who also loved them. There came a low chuckle. The chuckle grew into a knowing howl of affirmation. It was Henry. He was on his feet, his bright teeth gleaming under the dim candles. Those ain't no morning doves. Don't you know a passenger pigeon when you sees one? And the dude says he ain't traveling no more. He ain't traveling? Passenger pigeons? How the hell do you explain that? <laughs>